I'm in debt. I have two car payments, four years into a 30-year mortgage, balances on a couple credit cards, plus college for three kids on the horizon. Zero savings. I work long hours at a job that I hate. And despite all that, all I get is stress about how I can make more money. I take four pills at night for my back pain. Some days, getting up seems like too much. I struggle with dyslexia. I have high cholesterol. I overeat a little too often. I'm trying to get in shape. But it's never, I mean never enough. My dad died five years ago from cancer. I should have seen him more before he passed. Man, I miss him so much. Everyone expects me to be over it. But it's something that I still deal with daily. I haven't taken my wife on a date in four months. I practically forgot our anniversary. My kids need me when I get home, but it's late. Man. I want to sleep. I spend my weekends at their functions, as if that's enough. All this, and I still resent my family, because I have no time just for me. I can be amazingly selfish. I'm often angry, seemingly for no reason. I struggle with lustful thoughts, none of which my wife understands. Nor do I, for that matter. I'm good at some things, I'm great at nothing. I had dreams for my work and my family, and I abandoned them long ago. I think I'm a realist, and I come off as a pessimist. I feel restless knowing something is missing. I have too many burdens. They're suffocating. And this is the weight I carry. Well, good morning, my beautiful family. It is wonderful to see you. Great to be back from Africa, from Tanzania. And um, here's, I, I gotta tell you this. Like, I learned my lesson, all right? So you guys know whenever I go on missions trips or whatever, you, um, what I used to do is the first Sunday that I'm back, I kind of like, okay, I wanna talk about it. Well, I've learned my lesson because, you know, the last time I went to Africa and went to India, I basically just stand up here and cry the whole time. And so I've, I've smartened up a little bit. I'm I'm gonna wait till like I'm really back in my right mind. Don't laugh at that. Uh, yeah, we could be waiting a long time. I, I knew it. I knew you were gonna. Um, so next Sunday though, next Sunday I've got lots of pictures and and videos of the GT Church Library that that we built. Like I, yeah, you, you guys, yeah. So next Sunday, next Sunday, I'll be um, more emotionally prepared to talk to you about that um, next Sunday to celebrate with you uh, the wonderful things that we're doing at Lake Victoria Bible School in Tanzania. So today, today I came to talk to you, my beautiful family, about an urgent matter. And what I'm gonna do, what I'm gonna ask you to do, the few moments that we have together um, this morning is, is I'm just gonna ask you to stay engaged with me, okay? Um, because this is, um, this is something that affects all of us. It's something that I feel is, is very, very urgent that I, that I call your attention to and that, that I'm willing to, to take a, a whole service to talk about this today. Um, recently, I was made aware of a statistic, my beautiful family, that um, was very, very shocking to me. And maybe some of you know this already. It was very shocking to me um, that the suicide rate for Christians is exactly the same as non-Christians. 
And that over the last few years, the suicide rate for, for, for people just in general um, hasn't really um, increased much or decreased much. It's, over the last couple years, it's been pretty stable, still too high. We don't want any of that, but, but there is a suicide rate among a certain group of people that over the last few years has increased. And that group of people, my beautiful family, is pastors. A few months ago, there was a young pastor, 33 years old, who left a suicide note. And he talked about all of the pressures of life that he was dealing with, all the pressures trying to to be a pastor and to take care of his family and to take care of his church and just the pressure of, of just being alive, paying bills and raising kids. And for this pastor in particular, it got to be too much. And so he did the unthinkable. And so when I put this message together a few weeks ago, my family, it was with this understanding, with this realization, that I know that probably there are people in this room this morning and you're struggling with something. I know there are probably people watching on Facebook and, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so the reason I say this message today is urgent is because I don't want one more person to be lost. And we actually have the ability to do something about that, my beautiful family. Today I titled my message, You Can Count on Me. And I thought instead of merely talk to you about what it really means to be there for someone. I thought what I would do is, is I would illustrate for you what exactly that looks like. And so I asked my friend John, John, will you come out here? I asked my friend John if he would help me to illustrate this for you. Come on over here, my friend. And so this is yours. So I want you to put your backpack on. And so first of all, what I want, what I think everybody will agree with me on is, is this. We all have this, don't we? We all carry baggage. Amen, family? Right? We all have. And so we get that. Our baggage um, might be camouflage like this. For most of us, it is camouflage. Because we do a, a really, really great job of hiding it. We don't, we don't walk around letting our, our concerns and our fears and our failures, we don't just go around wearing it like a backpack. Maybe if God could somehow remove the scales from our eyes and we could see the baggage that people carry around, maybe then we'd be a lot more compassionate, maybe. But because we all do such a good job of acting like everything's okay, you don't see it. And so we can all agree that we all carry baggage of some kind, and, but the contents of our, of our, of our baggage is, is, is different. And, and so what I know is for some people, the baggage that you carry around is anxiety or depression. And, and everybody around you, meaning, you know, they mean well, but they're just like, oh, you just need to calm down. Or, you know what, just put on a happy face. But you understand that 
It's a lot more complicated than that. And so in your baggage, it's anxiety and depression. For others of you, it's grief. And maybe you lost someone a month ago. Or maybe it's been 10 years, and, but for you, it, it feels so fresh and everybody else has moved on. Everyone's moved on with life as life goes on. But you're carrying the weight of losing that loved one day in and day out, just hoping for some kind of relief. You, you never get over it. But it sure adds a lot of weight to the baggage that you carry. For others, it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's liver disease, maybe it's MS. Maybe it's some kind of arthritis, rheumatoid or osteo or or maybe it's deeper than that. Maybe, maybe it is cancer. It's all you can think about. It's your living nightmare. And then for others, for others of us, let's just call it what it is. It's sin. Don't you wish don't you wish that the second you gave your life to Jesus, you never struggled with sin anymore? Don't you wish that was the case, you guys? You never had a dirty thought. You never had something that you said that it's like, oh, I should have kept my big mouth shut. Like, don't you wish that giving your life to Jesus meant you never were attracted to any kind of sin? You never struggled with any kind of sin. But the truth is, is we do. Or maybe it's some kind of addiction that you're trying your best to break through and break free from, but it stays with you. Maybe there's some kind of secret or maybe you're living with the consequences of something that you've done. And this right here is guilt. So it just piles up and piles up. It gets heavier and heavier. And so what do you need at this point? Do you need someone to come along and to say, well, I told you, I told you, you should have listened to me. What, what does the Bible mean when it talks about bearing one another's burdens? I wanted you to be able to see, family, what it looks like. Isn't that better, John? This is what it looks like. Not, I told you so, and okay, I've been back here long enough. When are you going to stop struggling with this? When it, and it's not that I don't have my own burden. It's like, okay, Pastor Matt, I'll help someone once I get rid of my own baggage. No, it's understanding that we all, we all have baggage that we carry. But there's always someone who is further down than we are. And we have a responsibility as believers in Jesus Christ to come alongside and say, 
say, as long as you're struggling, I'm right here with you. For as long as it takes, you can count on me. The Bible is full of one another's. We're to forgive one another and we're to accept one another and we're to care for one another and we're to encourage one another. And then Jesus came along and he took all of those things and he added to it. He said, yes, all of those things are, are true. But do you want to know how people who are not Christians can really tell that you're a Christian? He said that you love one another. And so love is not, I told you so, and I knew you would get in trouble again and love is I don't care how dark your situation gets I don't care if you've made the same mistake over and over and over again what I'm telling you is you can depend on me I'm here and as long as you're carrying a burden I got your back that's what it looks like that's heavy you can put that down John thank you so much for your help I wonder how many people if they had someone like that in their life, wouldn't end their life. And so what I came to talk to you about this morning, my beautiful family, is there might be someone that you're sitting beside today and they look good and they smell good and it looks like everything is great, but they're struggling. There might be someone that you live beside or that you see every day at work. And we all just mind our own business at the office, Pastor Matt. We just mind our own business. We do what we need to do. What I'm saying to you this morning is Jesus said that it's not how many Bible scriptures you can quote and it's not who can pray in tongues the loudest. And how many, Jesus said the way people who don't know me will know that you know me is how you care for and love one another. And so the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, my beautiful family, He's talking about a lot of different things throughout the six chapters of this book. It's such an incredible book, but in chapter six, he gets down to the nitty gritty. See, Christians were, they were, they were fighting. They were fighting about um, what it really means if you're really saved or you're really not. There were some people called the Judaizers. And what they did is, is it's like, okay, you Gentiles, you can be a Christian. Yes, you can accept Jesus and, and, and be saved. But to be a real Christian, you need to be circumcised too. All the guys should say ouch right there, okay? There's a reason that happens when you're a baby, all right? And so they were trying to add something to Jesus. And you know Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right, family? You don't need to add anything. But these Judaizers were saying, okay, Gentiles, all right, all right, you can, you can be a part of God's family, but... Give your life to Jesus, but you also have to be circumcised too. And Paul was just so frustrated and so upset. He's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't need to. It's only Jesus. But when he gets to chapter six, he's like, I'm going to end this letter with what, what I feel is so very, very important. 
He said this, family, you can follow along with me or in your notes. He said, dear brothers and sisters, whenever you read that in the Bible, you know they're talking right to Christians, okay? So it's just as if he's saying, dear GT Church, all right? Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Why gently? Why humbly? Like, why can't we be just like, I knew it, I knew it, I will hear, I, I gotta rescue you again, you idiot. Here, here we go. Why gently? Why humbly? And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Yeah. It's like when you see someone who's been overtaken by a sin, by a failure. Our place as fellow believers is not to, oh, did you? My goodness, I heard that she, well, I knew it. Yeah, I knew he wasn't, yeah, I knew. He's saying our place as believers is to gently and humbly help them back on the right path because we realize that there's gonna come a time when I'll stumble and fall too. And the last thing that I want when I'm down is to hear somebody, well, I knew it. Mm-hmm, see, I told you. So he says gently and humbly, share each other's burdens. And in this way, you'll obey the law of Christ. My beautiful family, if you ever struggle with, man, what's my calling? What, what am I doing? God, what do you want? Number one, you and I were called to be restorers to those who have fallen. That's what we're all doing here. It's all about restoration. It's all about letting people know who, who are down, people who have fallen or people who are stumbling and on their way down or people who are down and have been down for a long time. It's all about letting them know no matter how long you've been down, I'm here and I'm full of the love of Jesus Christ and I'm here to help bring you back up. I'm here to help restore you. God still has a plan for your life. Amen. Amen, family. Yeah. That's what we're called to be. We're not called to be the sin police. We're not called, well, I knew. See, if he was more spiritual, he'd be, he'd be. We're called to be the ones to say no matter how heavy, no matter how dark, I got you. I'm here. And we can, we can carry it. Together, we're called to be restorers. And then he goes on, and he gets all up in our business family, because you know, Paul didn't mince words, all right? So then he goes on, just in case it's like, well, some people can do that. Well, maybe, I don't know, I'm not really that much of an extrovert. I'm, that's not really for me. I'm too busy, I've got my own problems. He says this, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Turn to your neighbor and go, ouch, I'm a goucha. <laughs> 
You are not that important. What he's doing, family, is he's calling us back to our first love. Because we're all raising kids and we're all paying bills and we're all working and we're all busy and we're going here and there. And he's like, I know your life is just so big and so busy. But he's like, look, 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 look. The top priority of our lives has got to be people. He's saying it's completely incompatible for us to say, oh my goodness, I am out of my mind in love for Jesus and see someone down and just walk right on by. And I'm here to tell you this morning, my beautiful family, and they might run me out on a rail. So if next Sunday you come here and there's somebody else standing up here, you'll know they got rid of me, all right? But here's what I want to tell you. It's not enough for you to see someone who's down and to look at them and say, I'm praying for you. That is not enough. Because the truth is, there are t- can we be honest? In, aren't there times that we say that and then we forget? You know what I mean? Not not in a malicious way. We just get big. We forget. And so it's not enough when someone is contemplating suicide. It is not enough to simply say, I'm praying for you. It's in those times, family, when you're that far down that you're willing to get your hands dirty that you're willing to say, no, I'll come over and I'll do your laundry. No, I'll come over and I'll make some meals for you. No, here, let me mow your lawn. Here, let, it's not that your lawn doesn't need mowed, but those of us who say we're full of Jesus, that Jesus is number one in our lives, then we have to understand the next thing that is number one in our life are people. People. I wonder how many people who took their own life. If they would have had just one, just one person, say it's our burden. It's our burden. You have a pastor man, I know you're so busy, you don't have time to do it. It's our burden. Well, uh, pastor, I, I wouldn't want anybody to find out. I mean, it's one of these things that I'm not very proud of. It's our burden. Paul says, nobody's, nobody's that important. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And are you ready for a zinger from Paul? He, he gets you and then he zings you. He says, and then um, you won't need to compare yourself to anybody else. If you're so busy with your eyes focused on Jesus and you're so full of the purposes of Jesus Christ, then you won't have time in your busy schedule to be so petty as to compare yourself to someone else. Focus on Jesus. And focus on what's going on around you. 
For we are each responsible for our own conduct. I just don't have time. Well, and you've heard this. You guys nod your head at me if you've heard this. The church should do something. Nod your head at me, right? Have you heard people say that? The church. Guess what? We are the church. This is just a building. It's just a building. We are the church. So when you say that, you're actually kicking yourself in the rear. It's like, the church should do something. Ouch. Ouch. I should do something. We're all responsible for our own conduct and what we do when we see someone who's fallen down. So very, very often, family, I talk with people who are really struggling with purpose in their life. Like, what's my purpose? Pastor Matt, you know, we, we're, we're not rich, but we got enough money in the bank and, and our, my relationships are going okay, but I just have this emptiness on the inside, Pastor Matt. I just have this emptiness. I just feel like there should be so much more to life. I'm just really, I feel like I'm missing something. I think you'll agree with me with point number two. True fulfillment happens when life is not all about us. True fulfillment cannot happen at the end of a selfie stick. I'm sorry. (laughs) True fulfillment comes when you understand that as gorgeous as this planet is, as much time and effort as God put in to creation, guess who he likes more than the mountains? (laughs) Guess who he thinks are more beautiful than the oceans and the streams? God is goo goo gaga out of his mind in love with you. He'd have to be to allow his son to go what he went through. You, you get where I'm going? Like, yeah. And so God is so committed to us being committed to people who are broken. If you want fulfillment, if you want real fulfillment, Stop using I, me, my all the time. Real fulfillment comes when you step into someone else's brokenness and you say, I'm here for however long it takes. However long it takes, I'm here. Because sometimes it takes a while. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes it takes a while for people to heal. We put them on a, on a schedule. Well, come on, it's been six months. Come on, we put it. It takes a while. And so he goes on to say, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Don't get tired, you guys, of doing what is good. Because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if what? We don't give up. And I'm here to tell you, I can't think of a better harvest to reap than people. A lot of times when we hear this scripture, it's in the the, the context of money. Oh, you're going to reap a harvest. It's all about money. I'm here to tell you, changed lives, people being set free is the greatest harvest we can reap in the world. Amen, family. I recently was stopped by a couple and the guy started launching in on 
his cocaine addiction. And he said, I was afraid to come to church. I was afraid. Because what I, what I did was pretty public. There was some stuff in the newspaper, on TV, and I was pretty afraid. I thought maybe I'd come into GT and there'd be people like, hmm, well, the roof must gonna be caving in today. Look at you. He's like, in the short six, eight months that I've been here, he's like, I know there are people that know. I know there are people that know what I've done. He was like, but you guys are just so friendly. Like, I was awkward and I was nervous and just super uncomfortable. And he's like, but after the first few weeks, I just, like, you guys weren't bringing it up. He was like, I was the one that kept bringing it up in my mind. And he was like, no one ever, you know, you guys have just only been, and I'm like, man, if they put up on these big screens everything that we've done, how many wouldn't show up next Sunday? I know I would be, if they, can you imagine? I'm like, I'm out of here, you'll never see me again. You'll never see, it's like, no. We're all just here trying to follow the Lord the best we can. And it's about us helping one another. That's what it's about. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, and I came to sound the alarm today, my beautiful family, you have the opportunity every day. There's people in your life, and they might be on the next pillar right beside you. It might be your husband, it might be your wife. They might be down the hall, it might be a son or a daughter or a granddaughter or a niece or a ne- It might be someone right beside you, your neighbor or, 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 or a coworker. We all have the opportunity. It's just, what do we do when we hear that someone is down? What do we do when we find out that someone is struggling? Well, hey, we all have our problems, don't we? we how do you respond when you hear someone down. He says, whenever you have opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Where? And I love that he gets so specific on this. Like, like, I just love this so much. He said, just in general, you need to do this for everybody, but especially those who are in the family of faith. Christians should especially be doing this for other Christians. And Jesus said, when you do, When you live your life like that, you don't have to beat people over the head with the Bible. You don't have to scream. When non-believers see Christians behaving like that, they're like, I want some of that. I want, uh, like, you see the way they rally around each other and the way they love one another. It wasn't your baby up here being dedicated, but did you see how excited we all got about the babies? Because it's like, well, they're a part of our church. It might as well be my baby. that's, That's what it's about. That's why every Sunday I come out and I say, hello, my beautiful family. So we all want to be blessed. This is what I know for sure. You will be blessed when you are a blessing to others. That's the way it is, family. It's the way it goes. When I put this message together a few weeks ago, I had no idea that I would be talking to my favorite nephew yesterday. And he's such a good kid, you guys. He was such a, 
a good little boy growing up. His older brother got into some trouble, but Brandon was always, you know, just was such a good boy and did good in school and in some sports and then went away to college and then got into some trouble. Had to leave college and then got into some real trouble. And I didn't know when I was putting this message together that I would get a phone call from him saying, Uncle Matt, I'm, I messed up again. And it's like, okay, Pastor Matt. All right, Pastor Matt, what are you going to, man, I thought you would have learned your lesson by then. And you mean again? Because I always say this, you guys, make new mistakes, okay? But don't keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Make new ones. And so it's like, this was my opportunity. Was I going to be like, are you kidding me? Really? I'm just like, Brandon, I love you. And I want better for you better for you. God wants better for you. And it's not just enough to do that for our family. What I wanted to call your attention to today, my beautiful family, is you might be sitting beside someone right now and they haven't said a word to anybody, but they're struggling. Maybe it is a coworker or a neighbor. And I want to say this just because I feel like the Holy Spirit. has prompted me to say it. There were some of you that when I said the word suicide today, it hit you. I want to say to you by the authority of Jesus Christ that you will live. That God has a purpose for everything that you've been through in your life. And I know that you want to give up. But you will live. Tell someone. Right now. Tell someone. You will live. You will make it through this. Don't do it. Don't do it. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, my beautiful family? God, whoever this is for today, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that can turn sorrow into joy, that can replace our grief and our mourning with true happiness and dancing. God, I thank you that you will give them the courage to ask for help and that you will give us, you will break our hearts, God. You will open our eyes to see that life is not all about us, that there are people around us who need us to shine the light. Use me, Jesus. Not just on a stage, but use me off of this stage. Use us, not just here, but in our workplaces and in our homes and in our schools. Help us to be the light of Christ to those who are lost and who are broken and who are hurting. Use us, Jesus. Use us. 
if you'll keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're here or you're watching and you don't know Jesus, but you want hope. You, 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 you need it. I'm here to tell you that hope is impossible separated from Jesus, but he died so that you could have your sins forgiven so that you could be free from addiction so that you can be welcomed into a family and so I'm going to say a prayer and I'm going to invite you to say this prayer after me this is you becoming a follower of Christ today would you say dear Jesus I know that I'm a sinner but I'm asking you today Jesus take away my sin take away the guilt take away the shame Set me free today, Jesus. From now on, I'm going to follow you in your name. Amen. Amen. Here at GT, we're committed to people growing in their faith with Jesus Christ. And so the decision that you made today, this is the best decision of your life. And we don't want you to start your journey of faith alone. And so I want you to do me a favor. I'm giving you permission. If you're at home or if you're here, take out your cell phone and text the word heaven to 41411. And what will happen is my friends, Jason and Brittany, they will contact you. They'll be like, yes, you gave your life to Jesus. Yes. And they'll be there, be there to help answer any questions that you might have and, and walk with you on these first few months of what it means to really serve Jesus and to be connected to a church family. I'm so proud of you. Can we give them a hand, family, for giving their lives to Jesus? Would you stand up with me today, my beautiful family? Listen, the highest calling on your life and the highest calling on my life is to keep falling more and more in love with Jesus and out of the love that we have for Jesus, help bear one another's burdens. People need you to be the light in their life. I love you from the bottom of my heart, family. And I'll see you next Sunday. We'll talk about the library in Tanzania next Sunday. God bless you.